0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today.
1: All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the Proverbs. Tonight we're going to talk about getting anger out of our lives and out of our homes. If we can get it out of our personal lives, then obviously we can get it out of our homes. So we all are responsible for our own actions. Anger, how do you overcome anger? Stay away from people who are always irritating you. That's one way you can do it. Well, seeing as though that's not a possibility, Another way, as the Bible says, uh, do not make friends with what kind of person? An angry person. Do not make friends with an angry man, lest you learn his ways. And it becomes a snare unto your soul. You notice when you hang around angry people, you just kind of pick up that anger. Here in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 17, it says this. He that is soon angry dealeth what? Foolishly. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray your blessing upon the preaching and teaching of your word tonight in an area that all of us this evening are guilty of losing our temper, getting angry with those around us. Father, forgive us for this sin that does so much damage. Pray that you would give us insight and wisdom tonight how we can overcome anger in our lives and then remove it from our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to throw up a few verses here trying to lay the basis for where we're going tonight. Why don't you just read these with me? Ready? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Why do we get angry at someone? Because we're trying to correct them. We're trying to show them that they did something wrong, that they offended us, or, or that they violated one of our rights. And so we're trying to set things straight just by letting them have it. But the wrath of man worketh what? Not the righteousness of God. Actually, it'll boomerang on you. So where you think you're trying to bring correction, it really is... Not going to result in that at all. Let's read this one. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Another one. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Let's try another one. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get it out of your lives. Stop it. Why? Because of the damage that it causes. Well, let's uh, kind of look at this word uh, anger and wrath for just a moment and, and give it a definition. In the Hebrew language, it means to blow hard in the nostrils. Now, don't blow too hard because a booger may come out, okay? So you've got to be careful about that. But to blow hard in the nostrils. Indignation. You're just, you're just mad. You're fuming. You get heated up. Right? Yeah. It's just like an old bull. Then there's the word in the Greek. Of course, Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. In Greek, it can mean a violent passion, indignation, violence, to take revenge against someone, a strong feeling excited by real or supposed injury or offense. Someone offends you and you express anger towards them. The Vines Expository Dictionary of Greek New Testament Words says, wrath or thumas is distinguished from anger or orgē." In this respect, thumas, now, now watch this, thumas is an outburst of wrath, which comes from inward indignation of orge or anger. So you're keeping it in, you're keeping it in, and pretty soon what? Come on, talk to me, what happens? It comes out, right? And I've used this illustration before, remember when uh, our three boys were really little and we'd throw them all in the bathtub together, boy, they'd have a time of it, Okay. And they'd hoop and holler and suds all over and floor all wet. And I remember one time I gave them a, uh, a two liter bottle. I believe it was a 7 up bottle, two liter plastic bottle of 7 up, and I put a cork in it. And uh, they'd fill that thing up with water and then they'd squeeze it and squeeze it. Boom! The cork would come out, hit the ceiling. Oh, they'd laugh and have a good time. You guys remember Dan? Daniel? <laughs> Isaac still does that when he takes a bath, you know. He just, <laughs> but they push, they push, they push. It, pow! Right, it comes out, and so when that external pressure is put upon you, and people are ragging on you and getting on you and complaining and grumbling and and violating your rights, pretty soon you just you explode. Okay. And uh, that's the idea there in the vines. That lady is, uh, yeah, she's letting it out, isn't she? So let's uh, recognize some symptoms of anger here. It's when you get impatient. Now, I never struggle with this. <laughs> right, honey? Never, ever struggle with that. We Start getting impatient. That, that is a symptom of anger, isn't it? Okay? Another one is when you raise your voice. I'm talking in a normal tone, but you're elevating your voice. It's an, it's an element and a symptom of anger. That angry look. <clears throat> Ladies. <laughs> the silent treatment. Or there's harshness in your voice just harsh or then there's the name calling maybe even violence pushing, shoving, slapping the flushed faced can tell they're getting upset they're turning red then there's the sarcasm cursing start threatening. Don't you dare. I. Then there's when the pupils dilate. <laughs> that means you better back off. Then there's the scowl. Then there's the, I think men are more the scowlers and the women are more the making noises. Like, um. I can't even make it. <laughs> Honey, can you, can you show them how, you, how it's done? Can you, ladies, help me out? <laughs> yes, that's it. Thank you, ladies. Cocking of the head and making noises. Then there's mocking. Start ridiculing people. Your jaw tightens. Rejection. These are just all symptoms. an angry spirit? Read that with me. I'll have you know, I have my... Do you like SpongeBob? No. Bad attitude. I have my what? Why do we get angry? What's the reason? What's the bottom line to why we get angry? Our rights. We feel that our rights have been trampled on, that they have been violated, that we should not be treated that way or that should not happen to us. We have our rights. So, the only way really to overcome anger is when we get to the point in our lives when we have yielded our rights to the Lord. Now, who is our ultimate example of this? The Lord Jesus, right? He has left us an example. That we should follow in his steps. Think about while he was there in the garden. Can anyone tell me what his prayer was? Okay, I heard it. What? Not my will, but thine be done. This Sunday, if the Lord continues to stir my heart in that direction, we're going to talk about coming to total surrender. What does it really mean to come to total surrender? This was total surrender. Not my will. See, when we have our will, when we have our rights and our rights and our will, what we want to do is violated, we get angry. It's a natural response. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. How about on the cross? Father, forgive them. Finish it with me. For they know not what they do. He is our ultimate example of yielding of our rights. As our example, we are to follow him. That's a tough path to walk, isn't it? It's the path that our Savior walked. But when our rights are violated, we're to have the same response that the Lord Jesus had. When he suffered, he what? Threatened not. When he was reviled, he reviled not again, but he committed himself, that yielding of rights, he committed himself to him that judges righteously, following in Christ's steps. The Bible also tells us that we are to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of what? No reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. Talk about yielded rights. Took upon him the form of a servant. The one who created all things is now serving his creation. Let this mind be in you. Developing the mind of Christ has to be the most difficult thing for the believer to do. Right? Following his example, developing his mind. When we look at the things that Christ yielded, that Christ gave up, his rights... These are some things that come to my mind. First of all, he yielded his right to wealth. What does Bible say? He became what? Poor. How many of you here like to be poor? He became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. Aren't you thankful he gave up his right to riches? Next, he gave up his right to a good reputation. He yielded his right to a good reputation. Made himself of what? No reputation. Boy, we're all concerned about our reputation, aren't we? We don't want to lose our wealth. We want to get as much of it as we can. Spend the majority of it on ourselves. If someone takes away our wealth, like the government, we don't like that. Isaac and I went hunting last night on the way home. He was telling me, you know, it's tax time for him being a business owner and how he thought that through some of these tax cuts that were, you know, supposedly have gone through Congress and through Trump, that it was really going to give him a break this year, and it didn't. How would you like paying 48% of everything you make just to the government? None of us like giving up our wealth. We especially don't like it when someone abuses our things and causes us to have to spend our own money and resources. Do any of you like that? I don't like that. Gave up his right to wealth. Gave up his right to a good reputation. We're all concerned about what people think about this. This is a big deal among teenagers. This is why they become so peer to They're so concerned about whatever others think about them and that they have this Reputation. I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to do anything for the Lord, you better give it up. Gave up his right to wealth. Gave up his right to a good reputation. Gave up his right to be served. Does he have every right to be served? He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But but Jesus said this, I came not to be ministered unto, but to what? But to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. I think, to be honest with you, most of us look for people to serve us. How can they serve us? How can they make our life easier? We have a, a lot of children in our home right now. We've had a lot of children in our home growing up, and we got them all back, plus more all kinds of little children run around. One thing that's good about having children. Is, hey, can you go get me a glass of water? <laughs> Are you with me mom and dad? Yeah. You pull my socks off. They love it, you know. Who can get the socks off first gets a candy bar, you know. But you know what? We're always looking how can other people serve us. Instead of how can we serve Isn't it great to have a church where so many people are involved in service? It's so awesome. His right to wealth, his right to a good reputation, his right to be served, his right to physical comforts. The foxes have holes, and the birds have their... But the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Think about that. Our Savior was homeless. And think about how many times we complain about our living situation. If I just had a nicer house, a bigger house, a better house, a better neighborhood, and on and on we go. We complain a lot, don't we? He gave up his right to make his own decisions. That's just an incredible thought right there. I'm an adult now. I can make my own decisions. Sheldon and I were talking with someone the other day that has a very difficult decision to do and I said this to them and I mean this. I said, you know, I've learned not to make my own decisions but that the Lord made them. And if you'll get that mindset, you will be surprised how many times we don't even have to insert ourselves; that God will just make the decision for us. Wealth, reputation, service, comforts, decisions. Now, how many of you struggle giving up your right to all of those things? Be honest. With you, I do, and that is exactly why we get so angry about things. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. He humbled himself. Amen. Levi was having me listen to something on the way down here to church. It was this, I guess, it was a, I guess he was a Christian. He, he said Jesus one time. And Levi said, what do you think about this? And it was, all, it was all humanism. It was all about you're great, you're wonderful, you're awesome. And after he got of course, he was, must have been speaking to a bunch of teenagers and they were all cheering it. I'll tell you this, whenever teenagers cheer you, you're probably not telling the truth. So Levi said, what do you think about this? And I said, wow, just so many... Scriptures just come to my mind right now when Paul said that he was nothing. That he was wretched. And being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself. Everything this motivational speaker was pumping into these young people was pride, 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 pride! If you're like me, the pride of life runs too deeply in your life. And I know it does mine. Obedient unto death, even even the death of the cross. There is nothing worse than the death of the cross. and he's our example. Should he have been angry as he was carrying that cross? As he fell beneath the load of that cross, as he was being nailed to that cross, transferring ownership of all that we have to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Giving it all. Giving it up. Turning it over. Relinquishing our control. Isn't it hard to relinquish our control because we all want to be in control? And then when something causes us not to be in control, then we're angry about that. The transferring ownership of all that we have To the lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ owns his entire creation. The earth is the Lord's and the what? Fullness thereof. He created all things Colossians. And they were created for his pleasure. Christ is the owner over our lives. How many of you are born again Christians? Raise your hand. Not ashamed of it. You were bought with a price. When I was five years old and I accepted the death of Jesus Christ... As a payment for my sin, he bought me that day with his blood and I no longer belong to myself. Now I've lived for myself a lot. But the Bible said we should live for him who died for us. fundamental truth of Scripture is the principle of stewardship. Throughout the Bible, you'll find stewardship mentioned. We are stewards. It is required that stewards be found faithful. What is a steward? A steward is one who simply owns nothing. Right? He owns nothing, but he simply manages the property or the possessions of someone else. Now, we're Americans, right? As Americans, we we have our rights. And personal rights are very important to us as Americans. But the truth is, we own nothing. Um, How many of you here own a car? Can I see your hand if you own a car? You just blew it. What did I just say? What did I just say? We own nothing. And then I ask you, how many of you here own a car? And you all raise your hand. That shows you the effectiveness of my preaching right there. <laughs> no, do you see how we're programmed? From birth, we're programmed. That's his rattle, that's her dolly. I own nothing. To divorce myself from that thought is a very... Or to divorce myself from the thought that I own everything is a very difficult thing to do, that I own nothing. The money in the bank is not mine, it's the Lord's. All my possessions are not mine but the Lord's. My wife is the Lord's. My children are the Lord's. My grandchildren are the Lord's. This isn't our church. This is His church. Y'all got that? It's just, until we begin to think that way, we're going to struggle with anger. As God's stewards, we own nothing. He owns it all. How many of you believe that? Give me an amen. Amen. I want to ask, how many of you live that way? Because I know I don't. And that's why I get angry. Who's this guy? Job. Boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He had lost his ten children in a terrible accident. The house that they were in collapsed upon them and they were all killed. The Sabaeans, I believe it was, came down and invaded and killed his servants. The wealthiest man in the East, and they took all of his wealth. And so he's left with absolutely nothing but a wife that screams at him. See, she had not given up her rights. She screams at him in anger. Why, why do you maintain your integrity? Curse God and die! Now, I'm not here to blame Job's wife. You know what? I would have probably felt the same way if I lost all my ten kids in one day and everything was taken away from me and I was left with boils from top to bottom. But you know what? Job had the right perspective of all of this. It's incredible. But he had the right perspective. The same kind of perspective that we need to have of the Christian life. Then Job rose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And he what? Worship. Did he curse God? He worships God. Now the truth is, did God allow all of this to happen in Job's life? God didn't cause it, but God allowed it. He gave Satan free reign to attack Job in all those areas. He worships. Doesn't get angry. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked will I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I tell you something, your preacher would have been sinning. I would have been complaining. I would have been upset. I would have been furious. How many of you would have been like me too? So what are the steps that we need to take in our lives if we are going to conquer anger? First of all, we've got to accept responsibility for it. Okay? We've got to accept responsibility for it. We can't blame others. I see Priscilla back there. Years ago, her and I taught a class called Aggression Intervention for Men. These were men that had battered their wives, their girlfriends, or in some cases, their children, or someone else, and they ended up in jail, and then they had to come to our class for 30 weeks. And uh, Priscilla and I were able to facilitate that. One of the things that the men never did when they first came into the class was accept responsibility. What do you think every one of these men did when they came into class? Blame someone else. You see, someone that will take responsibility is halfway there to victory. So you've got to accept responsibility. Another thing that will help you overcome anger is see your anger through the eyes of the person that you're angry towards. Do unto others as you would have what? Others do unto you. mean, you can look in the mirror a little bit there. Next is view your anger as unresolved guilt from the past. You know why in many cases we feel guilty? You want to know why? Because we are. are. Now psychologists or psychiatrists will tell tell you, no, you know, that's all, it's not your fault, it's someone else's fault, that's why you feel the way you do no, we feel guilty because we are guilty, majority of the time. Have you ever noticed when someone's guilty of something and you confront them that usually they'll rise up in anger? It's one of the ways you know someone's guilty. They start defending themselves and get mad and start telling you to quit judging them, you know? If there has been an offense, the Bible said you go quickly. Why does the Bible say you go quickly? If you've gotten mad or upset at someone, why does it say go quickly and make that right? It gets worse if you don't. Yeah. It just festers. Maybe it doesn't get worse on your part, but in the person that you've offended, it can get worse. Go quickly. I was wrong. Forgive me. Okay. Oh, there it comes. Another one, this is something we learned years and years ago when we first went to our Bill Gothard seminar, was the sins of the fathers being passed unto the children. And you know what? If you had angry parents, you're going to have a tendency to have that same anger. And so one of the things to do is to confess the sins of your forefathers. Another is to regain ground. Remember this whole thing of strongholds? How you ask the Lord to take back the ground that you've surrendered to Satan. Lord, you take it back. I've given Satan authority in this area of my life. You take it back. Fully forgive those who have offended you. Can we live our lives without being offended? No, that's why you hear me say this, and you know, it's kind of a joke around here, but get over it. If someone offends you, get over it. And many things we offend all. Sometimes we offend people and we don't even intend to offend them. That wasn't even our intent. We don't even know we did. How many times have we gone through this? Realize the benefits that suffering brings into our lives. We're not going to go through the whole list But God can use suffering in a very beneficial way. So let's not get angry. God, what are you doing? God, what are you up to? What are you trying to teach me? Maybe your anger is so out of control that you need to establish a daily accountability with someone. Where you check up on each other. How did you do today? Did you get angry today? Did you get upset today? Did you curse today? But more important than any of these is yielding of your personal rights. Now, these are some of the steps that we need to take. Now, I want to stop right now. I want you all to be really honest with me. How many of you can see some steps in here that you need to take right now in your life? I I see them. All right. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to ask you to make this message, this lesson, very practical and say, okay, I'm marking that one. I'm going to take that one to the Lord. Can we do that tonight, church? This thing keeps wanting to freeze up on me here. Anger. Anger is an indication that there is something, some right or some expectation or some possession that we have not yet yielded to the Lord. A right, expectation or a possession that we have not yet yielded to the Lord. How many of you would be upset if you just went out and bought a new car and um, you drove it here in the church parking lot and uh, someone else backed into it? How many of you would be upset? an indication that we haven't yielded that possession to the Lord. Because whose car just got hit? I remember one time Buddy Westheimer. He came running around the corner. We had just gotten our church van. We hadn't had it. And he came running around the corner could run and he looked at someone and he ran right into the of the church van and put a big old dent in the church van. I'm like, buddy, how could you not see the church van? Look at that big dent you put into the church van. And then he laughed. And that really made me mad. It wasn't my van. It wasn't the church's van. That was the Lord's van. I guess if he wanted a Buddy Westheimer Denton in it, then that's fine with me. Guys, this computer's freezing up, so whatever you can do to help me out, I appreciate it. Thank you. So let's talk about responding wrongly to all those sources of irritation that we experience. First of all, God gives grace, right? When someone violates our rights, when someone's really in our face and irritating us, God promises to give grace. God's grace is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask But in order for us to get God's grace, what do we have to do? Humble ourselves. He, he only gives grace to the humble. So here God wants to give grace. But instead of accepting God's grace, we then defend ourselves. We then blame others, right? We then hold it in. And when we hold it in, maybe it's hard to see right there, we get a little bitter. Okay? Now will that bitterness come out in anger? When given the opportunity, it will. So God wants to give grace, but we we resist the grace of God in our pride. We defend ourselves. uh, We blame others, and we have a burst of anger. Can only sit on it so long. That's why bitterness. You know, a couple weeks ago, right? We preached on bitterness. That's why bitterness is so destructive. The altar. I came across this prayer, and I want to read this prayer with you. And this is a prayer that all of us should pray now that we've heard what we've heard. Gracious Heavenly Father, I love you and want to live my life for you today. How many of you are there, you want that? Please allow me to pray in the Spirit, because you know what I will face today and where to emphasize my prayers. I choose today to die to self, to put off concerning the former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of my mind and to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I choose to do this because I know that refusal to die to self gives Satan ground in my life. Therefore, I reckon myself to be Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ my Lord. I choose not to allow sin to reign in my mortal body, that I should obey it in the lust thereof. I yield my members of my body as instruments of righteousness unto God. Fill me. Fill me. When was the last time we asked God to fill us? Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And please give me the grace I need this day to live in such a way that my life will glorify you. Can I tell you something? That is an awesome prayer. And if we would record that prayer, memorize that prayer, and pray that prayer from our heart, I believe our lives would be different as we enter into a new day. I now yield my hands. I surrender all. I yield my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my mind, my will, my emotion, my spirit, my soul, and my body. I surrender my life to you as a living sacrifice for your service today. Pray that prayer. I came across this picture. I thought it was one of the cutest pictures I've ever seen. Isn't that precious? Well, we would go before the Lord as a little child. Do these little children believe what they pray? You bet you they do. We had the faith of that child. And said, Lord, will you do that for me? I believe the Lord will. We need to yield our rights to be appreciated. People aren't always going to appreciate us. Our right to be right. Our right to be heard. Our right to nurse our hurts. Our right to privacy. How many have ever seen there, someone showed me a a YouTube video of this mom. And she had escaped from her little children into the washroom. Anyone seen that? And she had a piece of licorice. And she was just enjoying in the solitude her piece of licorice. And here's a little hand sticking underneath the door. (laughs) So cute. Our right to privacy. Our right to leisure. Our right to defend ourselves. Our right to be needed. Our right to good health. Our right to financial security. Our, Our right to have my own schedule. My right to have my own friends, to be successful in life, to be forgiven, to be understood, to be accepted, to pleasure, to independence, to be respected, to my future plans, to things. Why don't we love things? To my expectations, to my ability to control things, to my reputation. These are all the things God is asking us to do as Abraham did. And this is the title of my message on Sunday if the Lord continues to lead is Laying Down Your Isaac. Laying Down Your Isaac. I guess I have a question for you here tonight. What's your Isaac? What is the thing that's so precious and so dear to you that you've been holding back from laying down And giving it to the Lord on the altar. It's only when we die to self that we really experience the abundant Christian life. Came across this that says, I die daily. When I fail, I get back up and die again. (laughs) Is that good? I'm going to give you the hymn history. Sunday behind this song. Last week, I believe it was, my wife and I were counseling with a young lady, and she'd had some really, can I tell you something? People have some really terrible things that happen to them in their lives. This is a nasty old sinful world that we live in. And, um, I read the passage to her in Isaiah 61, how God will take ashes and bring beauty out of it. He'll exchange our garments of sorrow to garments of joy. He'll anoint us with the oil of gladness. And I started tearing up. And she said, why are you crying? I said, because this verse is so powerful. This is what God wants to do for you, honey. And then I read her this song. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly and fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. All your Isaacs. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word? And have peace and contentment alway. You must do His sweet will to be free from all ill. On the all, on the altar, your all you must lay. Oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul He doth fully control. And our all on the altar is laid. Who can tell of the love he will send from above and how happy our hearts will be made? Of the fellowship sweet we shall share at his feet when our all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Have ever had bowed it.